to left corner to Aguila. Aguila the left circle. Passing to Yell, a shot. Save made by Al Aguila. Three bounds, another shot. They score! The Blades win it! Yeah, baby! They score! And the sea of red erupts. Flames talk starts now on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Here's Pat Steinberg and Aaron Vickers. All right, we are underway this hour of Flames Talk. It is Friday, August 18th. Steinberg, Vickers, and welcome to the Sports Drive, brought to you by Copy Lock and Safe. Did you know Copy Lock and Safe also fixes doors? If you have one that needs it, visit CopyLockAndSafe.com slash doors. Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're coming at you from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio on this Friday. Hello. Hello, Patrick. How is your Friday? It's going well so far. It is rainy, but it's good. Uh, we got a busy Friday hour for you. Mackenzie Weger of the Calgary Flames will join us a little bit later on this hour. He's going to be taking part in the Rogers Celebrity Charity Skins game. It's actually called the Rogers Legends of Hockey Charity Skins game. It's part of the Shaw Charity Classic, and it takes part on uh, takes place rather on Saturday, following round two of the PGA Tour Champions event at Canyon Meadows. We're going to talk to McKenzie, talk a little bit about his golf game. He's competing against some like actual on ice rivals too, yeah. and uh, we'll talk some flames with uh, McKenzie Weger later on this hour. But right now it's Friday on Flames Talk. It's been way too long since we've been able to convene an Eric. Francis Friday, and look who the cat dragged in. It's Sportsnet's Eric Francis on Flames Talk in the middle of August. Hi, franchise. How the heck are you, Patrick? I'm well. How are you? I'm great. I, I'm I'm glad I'm home from the Shaw Charity Classic uh, presented by Rogers. Uh, <laughs> yes. And it, it was chilly there today. Um, but you know, pretty good crowds considering the weather turned like it did today, but it, that tournament always just makes me so damn proud to be a Calgarian because a, it's well attended B it's just as professionally done as any tournament that you'll ever go to and, and see the players never let you down. Like they're personable, they're friendly. Yep. Stephen Ames was walking down there and I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't say Stephen Ames is personable, but Stephen was walking down the fairway and, said hi to a couple of people, you know, I mean, he knows lots of people here in Calgary still. So, uh, anyway, great day. Uh, not great weather wise, but, um, a good, a good start to the Shaw charity classic and all eyes were on John Daly. Everybody's just, he just cracks everybody. You know what? It's pouring rain there. He's in his cart, right? He still, he drives a cart. He's the, one of the only guys, him and Fred couples driving their carts around, which is actually advantage when it's raining as hard as it was at one point today. So anyway, <laughs> You asked how I'm doing. I'll say fine. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm glad that you are. Uh, I'm glad that you're now drying out. Um, round oh, two, yeah. round three, Saturday, Sunday, Canyon Meadows, and uh, the legends of hockey involving Mike Vernon, Mackenzie Weger, Josh Morrissey, Adam Lowry, um, Marie Philippe Poulin, Cassie Campbell Pascal, um, Stuart Skinner, Stuart Skinner Curtis, and Joseph. Curtis Joseph. I think we named all eight of them. Uh, and 250, just in the charity skins game alone. $250,000 is going to charity. And uh, now in a decade of the Shaw Charity Classic, presented by Rogers, $93 million and counting has been donated and uh, raised. It's pretty incredible work. And I'm with you, franchise. Just such a, a real check mark and thing to be proud of as a Calgarian, uh, no doubt about it. Gents, let's, um, let's, let's, talk a little, uh, let's talk a little flames. Although, as, as Vickers and I, Francis, have, have made light of doing Flames Talk all week here, it's like we, uh, our last show on Flames Talk prior to a hiatus was July 14th. We came back on August 14th, and literally nothing had changed. The roster was exactly the same, and now here we are on August 18th, and since the Tyler Toffoli trade and since some swapping of players in free agency on July 1st and 2nd, there's been nothing roster-wise. How... Um, how surprised are you that you haven't had much to write about over the last number of weeks? Well, I'm grateful, first of all. <laughs> uh, well, I thought you were going to be They did it for you. Well, I thank you, Craig Conroy. And, uh, but, you know, I'm surprised. Like, you know, I thought you put it well in your piece on uh, sportsnet.ca in your mailbag there today because, uh, or yesterday or whatever, but uh, about saying, you know, 
Like we did expect this to be uh, a busy summer, um, not as busy as last year, but you know, a busy one in terms of just those trades that we all know they're going to have to make. Like, and that's the inevitability of the, all this. You know, it's it's not a question of if guys like Hannafin and Backlund will be traded. It's a que- it's just a question of when now. And I think uh, it's been surprising that it hasn't happened to this point. We all understand why. The, oper- the offers aren't there. I give Conroy credit for waiting it out and not pulling the trigger on something just because he may feel pressure to do it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it. you know, just at the Shaw Classic there today, like everybody's asking, you know, or everyone talks, you know, well, how are the Flames going to be this year? You can't answer that question right now. Like I refuse to yeah. throw my two cents in for, for whatever that's worth, um, you know, right now because it all depends on when those guys get traded. If they don't get traded before the season starts, then I think, you know, then I think there's one scenario, and and I think that scenario would lead them to be right in the mix for a playoff spot, right up until trade deadline. But by trade deadline, you're going to see two or three, maybe four big names gone, and uh, and that's that's fascinating. It's just fascinating. And does that? How much of a distraction is that? Um, you know, I know the players will all say, "Well, I'm not talking about it all season long." Uh, I'm just going to, while I'm here, I'm a flame and I'm going to try my hardest for this team. And they're going to say all the right things. And then they're not going to say anything about it after that, but it still looms. Right. And that's to me, that's the biggest question at this point, without any trades having been made, if they go in with all those guys still on the roster, how much of a distraction is it? How tough is it in that room to know that the guy who you're busting your balls for all game, all week, all month long is going to be, an opposing player any day. Is that, is that a distraction? I don't know. It's more of a question for players. Um, it's not the optimal situation. No, that's for sure. So you mentioned subpar offers, subpar pitches to, to acquire some of these pending unrestricted free agent Calgary flames. Is it your sense that there's 31 GMs testing the new guy? There's 31 GMs throwing anvils at a situation instead of life jackets for Craig Conroy. I, you know, I think that that's a common theory, but I, I think more to the point, it's the bulk of 31 GMs not having any cap space yeah. and, you know, and also not really being sure that they want to cough up significant assets for a pure rental. And, uh, you know, the key is to find obviously a landing spot for these guys in which they're likely to resign uh, or sign an extension with their new team you know, a la Matthew Kachuk, but that's proving to be uh, tougher than people thought. I don't think it's a question of us overvaluing Noah Hannafin. I do think he has a pretty solid reputation around the league. I think everybody knows that he's, you know, a top two or three defenseman on any team in the National Hockey League. Um, and, 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 but it's just a matter of how can we not only shoehorn him into our roster this year, but is it, is it, does it make sense to rent him? Um, and, and that's the question I think a lot of GMs are asking. So I, everybody's hamstrung right now. And, you know, it's, it's tough because in the off season, most teams get better, even if it's just on paper, right? Most teams in the off season get better. I'm not sure you can say that about the Calgary Flames. They're one of only a handful of teams where you can't sit here right now and say that they're a better team than they were last year. You can't like, and I'm not crapping on them, and I'm not saying they're not a playoff team. I'm just saying the reality is simple. Other teams are getting better all summer long. The Calgary Flames are not. That's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Should they not be better? I'm going to dispute this a little bit, and you can you can fire back at me if you want. Shouldn't they just be better because everybody had such a bad year last year that it's just insane to think that that could be replicated for a second straight year like Markstrom's got to be better Huberto's got to be better so on and so forth like shouldn't they be better just by the fact of how many guys had the opposite of career years last year oh Vixie like I I totally agree that I think they'll be a better team than they were last year so you know you're talking more about like roster is the on paper been um yeah yeah okay okay the per- well, the personnel hasn't changed. All they've done is lost their leading scorer from last year. So, again, you can't, you can't sit here and make an argument that they're better on paper than they were last year. But, yes, the reality is they can't be worse than last year, can they? 
I mean, everybody had a down year. I get it. And two years ago, this team won the division. So, again, I'm not – it's not all negative. I do think that most people in the city really believe this team will easily challenge for a playoff spot all season long. But I think everybody is wondering, including management, players, what sort of impact will the the eventual trades have – uh, on the on the team this year and 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 their fate in terms of getting into the playoffs. So so yeah, I'm not saying that they they're going to be worse than last year and they're not going to make the playoffs. I, I just I absolutely believe that so many of those guys are going to bounce back. I mean, it's going to be a happier place to play. Yep. Uh, players are going to be much more comfortable uh, with the new coach. Um, anyway, we don't have to revisit all that and all the reasons why the team. You know, there was so much internal strife last year. That's been solved or at least it's been addressed. <laughs> Hopefully it's been solved for the organization. Uh, it'll be fast. It, hey, it's going to be a fascinating season. I don't care if they do nothing all summer long. Yeah. And then the only move they make is to Foley. You know, uh, it's still going to be a fascinating season because of these moving parts, the eventualities of a trades, significant trades. Um, I, I'm really looking forward to the season. I can't wait for it to get going. Um, it's just that it's really hard. I get it. It's hard for Flames fans to be really, really overly optimistic right now, given the fact that they've have, they got nothing to chew on right now. Do we? There, there seems to be um, a sentiment out there that suggests that Elias Lindholm and and his pending decision, and if he's going to sign a contract with the Flames, if he's going to accept a deal that we believe is on the table, that that decision is is holding things up. And I'm not suggesting that that sentiment is is wrong or or right necessarily. I just wanted to throw it out there to you guys. Like, how much do we think some potential indecision or whatever you want to call it from Lindholm and not having given Craig Conroy and Co a decision as to whether or not he's going to remain a flame or not? How much do you think that is? holding things up when it comes to other trades or other decisions that they might have to make? Significantly. I mean, I think it's, you know, the Flames couldn't do anything last summer until they had clarity on Johnny Gaudreau's situation yep. and and Matthew Kachuk to a lesser extent. But the Matthew, or the Johnny Gaudreau situation handcuffed them all the way leading up to the day he left. And they couldn't do anything. They had to leave you know, they had to leave money for this guy in case he was coming back. Well, they figured he was coming back. But, uh, you know, this year, same thing. Their hands have been tied just by the salary cap, first and foremost, but also the fact that their best player um, is not ready to commit. And wherever that stands, and, I, you know, I'll be honest, it's, it's, I've been off a couple months now, and uh, I have not made any phone calls to agents or, or, or yeah. anybody. Like, I, I'm not... I'm in the dark here and I'm, you know, I'm just following the media like you guys are. I soon I'll, I'll start to work the phones and figure out where this all stands and, you know, what, what Lindholm status is, you know, but uh, it can't be a good thing. Um, I just think it's so tough to expect Lindholm to sign anything this off season. If you wait another year and you're last Lindholm, your value is going to go up significantly because, the cap's going up significantly and teams are ready for the possibility of signing you and such. So if he's a $8.7 million player right now, if that's his market value or 9 million, some people are suggesting next year, he's going to be a nine and a half million dollar. There's no question about it. It's just going to happen. So I don't see what the impetus is for any player, whether he wants to come back here or not to sign early. Do you, do you guys agree with that? The only thing that I would say to that is that do we, and I, I don't know, but do we think that Lindholm on the open market gets nine next year? And the only reason I ask that is because, you know, the would Jonathan Huberto have gotten ten and a half on the open market? Not not even based on what just happened this year. I think obviously we know that right now we wouldn't get ten and a half on the market. No. But but no. Even going back to last year, if he was a free agent, would he have gotten 10.5 on the open market? Or was there, and I, I hate saying this because it sucks that it is part of the narrative, but there is also that 
idea that, you know, the, the, the premium that needs to be paid to stay in a smaller market Canadian city exists right now. So mm-hmm. would, would Lindholm get nine mil on the open market? And on top of that, how much extra is he going to give up if it's a seven-year deal as opposed to an eight-year deal? Like if he only gets eight and a half on the open market over seven and the Flames are offering nine over eight, well, that's a bit, that's $10 million or more that he's leaving on the table, right? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I, I think such a significant part of this is, you know, another argument a lot of people like to make is that, you know, well, it's a guaranteed money. And even if you were going to leave four or five million on the table, you're still talking about, you know, seven or eight years times nine million dollars. You're talking about sixty million dollars in that ballpark, mm-hmm. right? Uh, you know, and that's life altering. But I don't think that's so much a factor at all. It is for a player coming out of an entry level deal. Like if, if just say this was Andrew Majapani, I mean maybe that's a bad example, but a guy coming out of an entry level deal, and he, and he's about to make money that's going to change his family's history forever you know that's one thing Elias Lindholm has already made 35 40 million dollars so this isn't life-altering money his life is already altered (laughs) and and this is about finding the exact best fit so I'm not sure it's all just about three or four hundred thousand dollars difference if you sign here or if you test the open market or whatever the case is it's about finding the perfect fit and I think that that's where we're at right now with this organization it's been very apparent over the last two years that this is not the right fit for the majority of people in the national hockey league. And that's a terrible reality that we've all come to realize, understand, grasp, and live with. The reality is this is not a desirable location for the bulk of players in the national hockey league. And Elias Lindholm's comments at the end of the season, when he basically, I mean, it was so obvious to all of us that he just said, well, I got one year left and that's all I'm going to say. I mean, it's hard to think that he really sees this as a desirable place that he just can't, live without so to me the inevitability is still that lies they know is not going to be a calgary flame but we wait and see and again i'll start digging into it in the next couple weeks and start finding out you know where exactly that's at because at some point the organization you know they're willing to sit by right now and wait and he you know lindholm's holding all the cards all the cards yeah and at some point the organization has to kind of take control of the narrative a little more and say all right you're in decision uh, can't set us back anymore. We need to move forward one way or the other, and here's what we're going to do. Franchise, I want to circle back because you said, okay, if he signs at the end of the season when the cap goes up, he's likely to get more money. I'm not necessarily going to uh, bank on that because what if he has another 22-goal, 64-point season? He plays all eight, he plays 80 or 82 games, replicates what he did last season. Suddenly that becomes the standard for him, not the 42 goals, 82 points in 82 games, or even the 78 points in 81 games in his first year with Calgary. I think there's a real danger for him in his camp is if he's a 64-point center again. And I mean, don't get me wrong, he's one of the best two-way centers in the game. But can you justify $9.5 million for a guy that's not putting up at least 30 goals and at least 75 to 80 points? Yeah, Vixie, good call. Like, you're right. You're right. And, you know, when people start pairing together their lines right now, I mean, who's his opening day line? Right, like Huberto and Sharon Govicher is kind of what we've decided, because yeah, we have the yeah. call on that. that that's yeah, what we, yeah, exactly. Yeah. We've all we've all kind of come to that and thought, okay, well, if that's the case, um, I'm not sure there are many people around the league that think that that's the kind of line that's going to get you a point a game again. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, and and even that year when he played with Kachuk and Gaudreau, who were both top five or ten players in the National Hockey League that year. Um, Lindholm was just barely a point a game guy that year. What did he finish with? 81 points in 82 games, I think. 82 like and 82. You're talking about the 2021 yeah. 22 season two, yeah. two years yeah. ago. Yeah, he finished exactly a point per game. Yeah, so even with two of the best wingers that the world had to offer that year, and he had a great year, he had 40 goals, but he still only got a point a game. Um, yeah, you raise an excellent point that there is the potential, of course, of, of going down, but I, I just don't think that. Elias Lindholm is sitting in his home in Sweden right now going, what is going to maximize my dollars? Like, you know, five or six million here or there over the course of a 60 or $70 million contract. I don't think he's worried about that. I think his number one priority is going to a place where he wants to, you know, play the rest of his years. And that's probably a warm place. It's probably a place he feels that the team can win soon. It's probably a place that, um, you know, 
there's a lot of factors, you know, and he's got to come up with that determination. So that's where we're at. Francis Fridays, Eric Francis of Sportsnet and Sportsnet.ca here with us this hour on Flames Talk. The the last thing that I'll 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 mention or the last kind of topic we can dive into on Lindholm, and I, I'm just curious as to where you guys are because I I get it, and I've been uh, I've I've done a couple of radio hits elsewhere over the last couple of days, and this question's been asked. So Lindholm's what 29 years old and is looking at potentially an eight year extension, which would take him to the age of 37, 38. It's a big money deal that we know is on the table. They already have Jonathan Huberdeau at the age of 30 who hasn't played a game on his eight-year extension. They've got Nazem Kadri, 32-33, with six years left on his deal. They've got Mackenzie Weger, who's 29 and, and hasn't played um, a game on his extension. And the only reason I say this is because that Lindholm, again, is another player in that age range where you're talking about maybe some rough looking dollars at the back end of it, because that's just the way things go. A lot of guys just, they're not as good value with the age of 36, 37 on that deal. How worrisome should that be? And how much should the flames take that into account when deciding whether or not they should re-sign Lindholm? Because I do the cost benefit analysis guys. And I say to myself, even knowing all that, I still would rather not lose Lindholm. And yes, there is risk and there's some downside in signing a contract that long. But in saying that, I'd still rather keep Lindholm uh, as opposed to having to try to replace him over the next number of years. It's it's a valid issue. And, and to that point, I think Craig Conroy uh, was quite pointed when, when we first spoke to him as the GM, when he said, even as an aging player, Elias Lindholm is a guy who can still help a team win in so many different ways. Like he's, he's pretty unique that way when even in year six, seven of the, the deal, you'd still think that Elias Lindholm is still going to be one of the better defensive centers in the national hockey league. Even if he's only putting up 50 points a year, geez, it sounds an awful like, like Michael Backlund, right? Yeah. But do you, do you want to pay $9 million or eight and a half million dollars a year for Michael Backlund? At age 36, 37, no, I mean, that's not even fathomable. So, yeah, it's a very legitimate concern and balancing act. You know, it's still about asset pres- uh, preservation. And, you know, if, if, you, if, if your conclusion is we can't have another aging guy on the books for eight years, blah, 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 then, yeah, you, you go out and you, you, it's all about getting assets in return for that. But I still don't think you're ever going to get the return that you're looking for for a guy like that because, again, he's now a rental. Right, he's now a rental almost anywhere you trade him, unless you can find someone who's willing to sign him without an extension. And I'm not sure he's that guy. Like, I, it's a very, very tough decision that the organization has yeah. to make, and it's it, it. You can see why it's taken this long. You can see why no one's really clear on whether or not is it Lindholm that hasn't ready been ready to commit, or is it the organization that's not ready to fully commit? Um, you know, we've heard offers of rumors and all these other things. It's a very legitimate concern. But again, the one thing is, look, I'll say this. Elias Lindholm aging contract sure looks a whole lot better to me than a Johnny Gaudreau aging contract because Lindholm can play at both ends of the ice. At both ends of the ice. He's a defensive center. He's a much more important player as a centerman. Johnny Gaudreau at age 36, 37, 38 to me, that contract is not going to age well at all. I, I don't know if you guys see it the same way, but I, because they're such very different players and I'm not trying to take much away from Gaudreau because I still think he's one of the most entertaining players in the national hockey league. Zero question about that. But um, with age, I'm not sure Gaudreau will age as well as Lindholm on his deal. Interesting. That's a, that's a very good point. I've never actually considered the, who would you rather have signed long-term? Cause it, usually it'll be tied do you want Huberdo long-term or do you want Goudreau? So the Lindholm element there versus Goudreau is pretty interesting. Another thing that I'm just going to toss out there because I just noticed it over on Cat Friendly, the Calgary Flames only have four players signed in 26-27. So that's four years down the road. It's nothing urgent. But of those four guys, their ages are going to be 34, 36, 35, and 33 at that point. The four guys are Huberdo, Caudry, Coleman, and Mackenzie Weger. They don't have any young talent locked up long term, and I just I, I found that kind of interesting. I'm not going to lie. I think in our business we look, look that's a long way to look ahead. Look, I, I, you're just pointing out you're just pointing out that that's basically your core in four years, and that's 
kind of scary uh, for an organization that seems like it's almost on the precipice of a rebuild or a retool or whatever you want to call it. Right. Um, but but I, I do think that we get a little far ahead. Like by then, we'll I would think we would see like a guy like Dubé locked up. Right. Um, you know, a guy like Majapani will either be traded or locked up. Rasmus you know, Anderson uh, potentially. Yeah, who knows what his future is? You know, it, it, that's looking a little too far ahead for me. Um, uh, you know, but but point, point taken. It's a this this. Some people really see that as as four. I don't want to say anchors. God, I mean they're 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 all really great players. Um, but um, that that is that adds to the equation as you sit here and debate whether or not you want to give. Uh, Lindholm, another a deal like this. And I think it was also part of why it was so easy for the organization when they heard what Toffoli was looking for, they balked immediately yeah. and he was gone within days. Like, seriously, you seriously think that it, good on you, Tyler, if you think you're worth that and you can ask for whatever you want, but you're not going to get it here. And if that's the way you really feel, go find it somewhere else. We'll trade you and get some other assets because it's not happening here. Uh, good stuff, buddy. It's good to chat with you again. Uh, it's been far too long. Um, enjoy. Uh, I'll probably see you out at the uh, Shaw Charity Classic on Saturday, and uh, we'll talk to you soon, buddy. Thanks for doing this. Hey, can I just add one thing? I appreciate yeah. you having me on. And yeah, you know, I I love that you preface your your Rick Jenneret segment by saying this will put a smile on your face because, like, it gave me goosebumps um, just driving as I was listening to it and made me smile. And I grew up in Southern Ontario. Uh, in Mississauga and was never really a Leaf fan growing up as a kid. I was a Whalers fan, uh, but I, I, I listened to Rick Jenneret. It's funny. I was going through some old boxes the other day and I found my old transistor radio that I used to fall asleep on. I used to put it under my pillow and I would listen to Buffalo Sabres games until I fell asleep. And I'd wake up in the morning and my parents would come wake me up when I was a little kid and, and they'd catch me with the transistor radio it would still be on. And uh, and they'd be like, you can't do that. You got to stop doing it. But every night, whenever the Sabers played, I would sneak it on. And I don't know if it was just because Rick Jenneret was the draw, or if it was just because I was just so enamored with the world of hockey. And God knows, I hoped one day to be part of it in some fashion. But that guy was part of the um, uh, what's the word? The, fabric. The, the auto- yeah, the fabric of my upbringing. Like whether I knew it or not, or knew his name that voice reminded me of my youth right up until he just passed away. And so that was a voice I listened to as a five, six, seven, eight year old on a transistor radio, which people don't even use anymore. And uh, so, yeah, it made me smile to think of Rick Jenner and all he's done for hockey. Cause that, that is such a unique voice, unique delivery and the passion in his voice, I think is what really drew me in. Good stuff, franchise. Appreciate that perspective, man. Uh, we'll talk to you soon, hey? Cheers, boys. Have a great weekend. You too. Eric Francis, good perspective on the uh, life and legacy, too, of Rick Jenneret. He joined us, uh, Eric Francis Fridays, on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. 15-time Consumer's Choice Award winner at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. For pickup or delivery, call 403-248-3344. This is Flamestock. Join the conversation at 960-960. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, this hour continues. Pat Steinberg, Aaron Vickers, along with you from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Uh, It's a Friday, and on Saturday, out at Canyon Meadows, uh, as part of the Shaw Charity Classic, it is the Rogers Legends of Hockey Charity Skins game. Uh, Go Saturday afternoon, uh, competing this this group of eight, four different teams, competing for $250,000, which will all be donated uh, to charity as part of the Shaw Charity Classic. It's going to start around 2.45 on the 10th tee out at Canyon Meadows. All the information is at ShawCharityClassic.com. There's a uh, Winnipeg Jets team. There's a captain's team with uh, Cassie Campbell-Pascal and Marie-Philippe Poulin. There's a uh, goaltender's duo. It's Curtis Joseph and Stuart Skinner of the Oilers. And uh, then there's your Sea of Red team, which uh, consists of Hockey Hall of Famer Mike Vernon. And Calgary Flames defenseman Mackenzie Weger, who joins us on the program right now on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Mackenzie, appreciate this, man. How are you today? 
I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me, boys. It's been a while. It's uh, it has been a while. How uh, how you feeling? How's the summer been so far? Yeah, it's been good. Um, just like any other summer, it's it's super busy. Uh, you know, trying to see family and friends, and you know, getting to work and working out, staying staying healthy, and getting the body right. But um, just like you guys know, it, it flies by, and you start getting that itch in August to get back to in the swing of things. So you're uh, you're back in Calgary for what? You're back here for the weekend just to take part in this, and then a few more weeks before you're back here full time. Yeah, so uh, we got the charity event tomorrow, but uh, I kind of. Um, Killed some time today. We just got a house here, so we we went back and did some uh, some inspections on the house today, just to make sure it was all ready to go. And then tomorrow is the big golf day, and uh, you know try to impress some fans with my golf swing and, and win some money for charity. Ah, uh, you you're looking forward to playing with uh, with Mike Vernon? Yeah, absolutely. The, the legend goaltender that I hear so much about. So um, I've heard great things. Um, I, I hope he's a great golfer. I'm going to need a little pick me up <laughs> here and there, but. Um, I'm looking forward to it for sure. I was going to ask how many rounds you got in this year and have you ramped up sort of your golf performance over the course of the couple of weeks, knowing that this was upcoming here at the Shaw charity classic. Uh, to be honest with you, it's been such a busy summer. I haven't really had time to get too much golf in. Um, I got one round in on Wednesday. Let's just say I got all my bad shots out of me. So I think (laughs) I'm going to bring a good performance for everybody tomorrow. It's, uh, it's funny McKenzie, because you take a look at who else is a part of this and, and, you know, you talk to, you talk to, you know, for instance, if you were to talk to, to Mike Vernon tomorrow in the heyday of the battle of Alberta, I don't know if Mike Vernon, if, if he was playing in it and uh, an oiler was in the same thing, if there, there would have been a whole lot of pleasantry. So you got Stuart Skinner in one team and then you've got, you've got Morrissey and Lowry and another, like those are, those are three guys who play on a pair of like top blames rivals. It's uh uh, is it is it some? Will it be pleasant? Will it be friendly the entire time? Oh no, it's gonna be. You know, I'm gonna have the healthy chirps going out there. <laughs> um, it won't be friendly at all. It's gonna be competitive. I can't wait to uh, you know try to get under their skin. I actually got the chance to meet Lowry at a wedding this summer. Um, turned out to be a great guy. So um, you know, after the round's done, maybe we'll catch up. But during the round, um, you know, it's a free for all, and I'll be uh, throwing chirps around for sure. Now, you're used to playing in front of 19,289 fans at the Saddle Dome, but that is on the ice. Uh, will nerves get you at all, swinging a golf club, being on the tee box, when you've got so many fans going down the uh, fairway watching you do something that might not necessarily be your element? Yeah, I mean, for for me, playing in front of the Saddle Dome is just it's comfortable. Um, it's You kind of you can tune them out. You're obviously playing a sport that you're you're good at, so... Uh, with this, it's kind of it's going to be tough. I'm sure I'll be shaky up there. The knees will be shaky, and um, hopefully, I got some good support of fans around me. I don't have any hecklers, um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm sure once I settle in and um, you know take a couple deep breaths, get my swing back, and um, have Mike beside me, um, giving me some positive some positive influence, I'll, I'll be good to go. It's uh, it's it sounds like it's going to be a really awesome event. It is uh, fan friendly. In fact, uh, before it all gets going at eleven o'clock uh, down at the Shaw Charity Classic, there's going to be a, a meet and greet with an autograph session uh, between eleven o'clock and noon. You've got current NHLers, you've got Hall of Famers, you've got gold medalists. It's it's an awesome, awesome group. And again, taking part in the Rogers Legends of Hockey Charity Skins Game and two hundred and fifty thousand dollars just from this charity Skins Game is going to be uh, donated to charity. We're talking to Flames defenseman uh, Mackenzie Weger. I, I, I'm curious as to how things have because it, it's been it, it has been busy. You were over in Europe at the World Championship. You had the uh, the gold medal victory with you and Team Canada. Some of your teammates. How how have things calmed down since the Worlds? Um, it really hasn't. Uh, it's kind of just been go go go. I I got a cottage back home. Um, and it's just been, it's been great to, you know, host a lot of family and friends up there, um, on weekends. And, uh, I've took, I've taken a couple of trips out. Uh, I went to Saratoga to see a concert. I went out to Halifax just to see an old buddy. Um, so I've kind of, I've kind of been all over the map, but, uh, I've gotten some downtime just, you know, up on the lake alone and, um, just kind of, you know, had some weekends just to chill out, but I really have just been kind of go, go, go during the week. It's, you know, work out and, and get on the ice and, um, you know, if not, you know, go out for another workout. My sister runs a boxing class, so I try to get out there with her. And 
Um, you, everybody's kind of pulling you different directions, but I think it's pretty important. You know, you, you kind of get some rest and some downtime. So um, it's good. It's busy. It, it makes time go by really fast, but um, it's been a fun summer. It's probably been one of the most fun summers I've had in a long time coming off that gold medal. Take me back to the world championship, because again, you referenced the gold medal and that's what you went over there to go for representing Canada for the first time. But for you personally, you had a lot of success as well. If I'm not mistaken, the, the tournament's top defenseman or the all-star team on top of that, I know you got at least one MVP, MVP vote being over there. Just curious of how you found success on the international ice. Yeah, I don't. Uh, yeah, I'm not really sure. It kind of just clicked in game one. Um, but you know, we had a great training camp in Budapest, and to be honest with you, I gotta, I gotta give a lot of credit to you know, obviously Luchintov being there with me and just being comfortable. But you know, that whole team that uh, Doug Armstrong put together it was just a great group of guys. It felt like we've been together for you know a couple of years or a couple of seasons together. Everybody was getting along, and we were having so much fun together. And I think that when the tournament just started, I was so comfortable and. Um, you know, credit to DJ Smith, the coach back there. He kind of just let me, you know, free range, um, you know, played me a lot. I was on both special teams and uh, I kind of just found my confidence and it took off from there. How uh, I know that I know that Toff is is now in New Jersey and and Milan is signed in Boston. But uh, what was it like to to have a couple of teammates with you? There's that really cool moment that uh, we saw, and and I know you were asked about over there with you and Luch kind of looking up and seeing all the all the fans and the atmosphere. But what was it like having those two guys with you? It was awesome. It was you know it was such a surreal moment. You know, for I know Toff has already been there, but for him to be the captain, um, you know, I know how much it meant to him. But then. You know, you get Luch there, who's, you know, who's an older guy, an older veteran who, you know, who asked to be there. He wanted to be there and then to to bring his family down. And I had so much family there, too, that when we looked up, it was just such a cool moment for us both. And, um, you know, kind of one of those moments that you don't forget, especially with Luch. You know, he's such a legend of the game and uh, we got along so well during last season. And it was kind of just, you know, cherry on top for for last season and it was kind of one of those things that you know kind of how things ended in Calgary you go there and then you win and you get your confidence back up and um you know it all worked out so well I, I really can't complain about that trip at all it was just it worked out perfectly and um you know I'll go back you know I hope I don't go back because I hope I'm in the playoffs yeah they, yeah, they did such a great job that um you know it's tough to turn down those tournaments for sure we're chatting with Flames defenseman Mackenzie Weger here on Flames Talk. He's part of the Rogers Legends of Hockey Charity Skins game Saturday at Canyon Meadows. Open to the public. $250,000 going to be raised for charity. Uh, go check it out at Canyon Meadows on Saturday. Um, I got to ask you, he was, uh, he was the guy that, that worked with you on the blue line and, and was that positional coach last season. How? Because uh, uh, we, we've heard you talk about Craig Conroy as the general manager, but haven't had an opportunity to hear you talk about your new head coach. Tell us about uh, Ryan Huska taking the reins behind the bench. Yeah, I'm so happy for him. Um, you know, just a great guy, great personality. Um, and I think he's been waiting for this position for a long time. I think he's ready for it. Um, you know, for Craig to, you know, have him step in and be confident in him, I think, you know, speaks a lot. Um, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see what he's going to do for the team and see what kind of systems he's got for us. But um, just having him behind the bench last year, um, you know, great communication skills, you know, wants, you know, everybody to get better, wants you to have fun. But at the same time, he wants you to be businesslike. And, you know, he wants to bring that winner's mentality to compete every night. Um, he's going to bring a lot of things to the table. Um, that are going to be good for the team, and I'm excited for you know the fans and for you guys to see it. Um, you know, I'm really happy for him. He de- he deserves it. I know the summers can be a little hands off when it comes from coaching staff to players, but what have the conversations with Huska been like since his hiring? Um, it's you know for for Huska and I, we've had a couple chats, but it's mostly just kind of um, you know talking about uh, the assistant coach coming in and uh, what he's going to do for us, obviously, and just kind of just chatting about, you know, what may, what changes we might want to make or, or whatnot. But really, he, he's been really pressing for everybody to show up in great shape. I think he's he's been really harping on, you know, guys having a huge summer and, and making sure that we're in the best shape we can be for training camp to set us up for a good start to the season. I'm just curious, last season, obviously, of course, the summer, there was a lot of changeover. There's been a lot of buzz about this summer, and we've seen a new GM, a new head coach. I'm just curious from a player perspective, What's the mood, the atmosphere, the temperature like in the group chat amongst the team? I imagine you guys are all itching to get back and ready to go. 
Yeah, you know, I think for for a lot of guys in the dressing room and and for myself as well that, um, you know, I think everybody was pretty disappointed, obviously, with last year. But, um, you know, to kind of get two new guys to take over as GM and coach um, gives a lot of guys, you know, a breath of fresh air. I know it's been talked about a lot, but I think it's it's something that's kind of needed to be said. But I think a lot of guys are itching to get back and and to prove everybody what kind of player they are. uh, and what kind of team we are and, and, and how we're going to, uh, you know, show that we're, we're a great hockey club and, and we want to push for that Stanley Cup. It's, it's funny, Mackenzie, because I was uh, reading your piece uh, that uh, Wes Gilbertson just put out a little earlier before we knew you were coming on the show on this Friday, and I was, I was reading it, and, you know, you kind of talked about the same thing. It's like, yeah, you're hearing everybody's talking about fresh starts and, and there's yeah. a different buzz, and that's awesome, but... The onus still comes down on the players, is basically what you said. It's on it's on the group of players to kind of take advantage of that that fresh buzz, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the accountability is all on the player. Um, you know, we talked, we say fresh start, but you know, then we better be prepared to show a fresh start. Um, and it's and it's simple as that. So, I, I just a couple more with Mackenzie Weger of the Calgary Flames. I I got to So, you take a look at your last season and the way that it went. Just curious as to how much more comfortable you're going to feel coming into this training camp compared to a year ago where you didn't have a contract extension and it was a brand new team and there was so much change. Now you've been in Calgary for a year. You just talked about now you've owned, you own a house here. You're setting down some roots in Calgary. Just from a comfort level standpoint, how is it going to be different entering training camp in a few weeks? Yeah, it's, it's really completely different. Um, you know, last year was a, t- you know, obviously a, a change and, um, you know, it's, you know, meeting the new guys for me is, is probably the toughest thing and just trying to get comfortable around the rink and, um, you know, build those relationships. And now I can get into the rink and, you know, give guys hugs and, you know, ask them how their summers were, um, you know, just have some laughs instead of kind of coming in and meeting everybody and, you know, kind of tiptoeing around and trying to figure out, you know, how to use the tap or, you know, how to use the sauna or, you know, just little yeah. things like that. It just, it goes a long way. So, um, I, you know, like you said, I got a house here. I'm excited for that. It's going to make a big difference for me. And, uh, you know, I'm ex- I'm really excited to, to get training camp going and seeing all the boys. Uh, it's been a long summer and, and it's time to get back to work. Mackenzie, at what point last season did you feel settled in and you felt like you were hitting your stride? Because obviously it was a summer of a lot of change. You mentioned not knowing certain things and, and, and how to approach them, being in a new city, new team. When did you feel settled into being in Calgary and being a member of the Calgary Flames last year? Um, I think, I guess you could say, I mean, it, it was pretty obvious, I guess, from uh, you know, a fan you know, point of view. You could see how, how my game changed probably pretty drastically was around the all-star point. And, um, you know, everybody kind of saw it from the, you know, the coaches GM to, you know, the players on the team. And, uh, I kind of took that, you know, time, uh, at the all-star break just to clear my mind and, um, you know, to accept everything around me. And just, it was kind of, that was kind of my fresh start for me was, you know, that all-star break and just to come back and, um, you know, show everybody what type of player I am. Cause I didn't feel like I was up to my standards or, you know, everybody's standard. So I, I would say around the all-star break is when I really, really felt comfortable in the city and, and at the, at the saddle dome with the boys. I know your guy, uh, Jonathan Huberdo has, has said very similar things about, you know, wanting to come back and, and show what he's all about in year two. Have you talked to, uh, have you talked to Jonathan and, uh, how, how fired up is he to, uh, maybe prove what he's all about this year? Uh, Johnny's funny. Uh, you know, we talk here and there, it's just a little bit of text back and forth. But for the most part in the summer times, he's super busy up in Montreal. I'm busy in Ottawa. And, um, you know, we kind of just let each other be because when, when hockey comes, we're literally glued by the hips. So we try to, you know, <laughs> get some separation from each other. But I just know deep down, and I know Hubie personally as one of my best buddies, that he's probably working his, you know, his ass off this summer. And he really wants to prove a lot of people about what type of player he, he's been in the past. And I think he really wants to prove that in Calgary. And, you know, as his best buddy that I, I know he can do that. And I'm super confident in him. Okay. I got two more for you. We really appreciate the time. Number one, Craig Conroy told us the day that he was hired as general manager. I, I asked him, I said, you, uh, are, are you going to name a captain? He said, oh yeah, we're naming a captain for this year. How, how important will it be having somebody wear the C this season? It's huge. Um, you know, that's, that's your number one guy that can talk to the media. He's, you know, he's great for the community. 
Um, you know, he wants to you know, go to war for you every night. Uh, he shows up every night. He's in the gym. Uh, he leads by example. And, you know, there's a number of guys in that room that could do that. So for Craig, um, you know, it might be a tough decision for him. I don't know. Um, but I just know that whoever is picked as captain, there's a leadership group. And we've spoken about the leadership group before in the past, that there's a bunch of guys in that room that, you know, can step up and be captain. But it's, you know, for for one guy to be that guy and, you know, who can go and talk to the coach or the GM um, when the boys need it, it it's huge. It, it, it adds a lot of uh, – takes a lot of pressure off a lot of the guys in the room. Well, and, and last question. Our text line uh, has lit up about it while we're doing this conversation. And whenever we have a chat about captain, the uh, name Mackenzie Weger comes up. Uh, how, how much how much would you relish the opportunity to, if, if it were to go that way, to wear the C on your chest? Yeah, I, I mean, that's a huge honor. Um, you know, if, if they did choose me, I, I would love to be the captain of the Calgary Flames. And, um, you know, it would be a lot of work. I think I'm ready for it. And uh, I would just love to uh, represent the Calgary Flames as a captain. It would be, it'd be a, a real honor and, and a real pleasure. That's awesome. Well, first of all, we really appreciate the time. Second of all, uh, good luck Saturday with uh, Mike Vernon on the course. It's awesome that you're taking part in the charity skins game. Just an, uh, another incredible charitable initiative involved with the Shaw Charity Classic. You and the other seven that you'll be golfing with going to raise $250,000 in nine holes. It's, it's pretty damn impressive. So welcome back to Calgary. Good luck on the course. Uh, we'll see you out there on Saturday. And uh, thank you so much for doing this today. Awesome chat. Thanks, Mackenzie. Yeah, no problem. Anytime, boys. That is Mackenzie Weger of the Calgary Flames joining us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. 15-time Consumer's Choice Award winner, 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. For pickup or delivery, call 403-248-3344. So there, uh, look, that, that's, that's a guy that I think as the year went on last year, I just remember a couple of times it was him and Rasmus Anderson that, that both stood out yep. um, after some tough losses or the day after some tough losses and when things were seemingly spiraling in a poor direction for the Calgary Flames. Um, I just remember both those guys being very, I'm trying to think of the right word, just showed a ton of leadership qualities in front of the microphone and and in front of all the cameras. Well, they certainly didn't miss an availability. No, they when certainly they were didn't. asked, they were there, and they were honest, and they were to the point. Well, I, and I just, you know, the ones that stick out with Rasmus came after tough losses, and when some guys were giving, and again, this is not, uh, this is not a, a shot at anybody because the emotion is part of it, and I think it's also good that guys like Jacob Markstrom and, and uh, Elias Lindholm give you three-word answers after a tough loss because you know how pissed off they are. I think there's, there's a value in that, and that's important. But I just remember Rasmus giving, you know, like 45, 50-second answers and, and impassioned answers about, you know, the team and what they believe they're capable of and how nobody's lost belief. And the ones that stick out to me on, on the Uyghur front or the ones where he talked about how close the group is and how everybody says it's a fractured locker room, but it's not a fractured locker room, and we're we're all in this together. And and he made like it, it was it was very um, it it was it was very genuine. It wasn't you could tell that there was a lot of emotion behind that. And he's an emotional player, and I think that that is part of what would what does and and would make him a good leader and in that case would make him a good captain candidate. So that's why I wanted to make sure we asked that question before we wrapped up. Well and you weren't joking. The text line lit up about well, it always this guy does. sounds like whenever, a captain. And... Whenever you talk about who's gonna be the next captain, mm-hmm. that's one of the things that gets the text line frothing. Uh is it because they haven't had a captain since Geo left. Yeah. I'm super curious what the season looks like for Mackenzie Weger. He mentioned the all-star break is when he kind of reset and felt comfortable. He had 16 points in 32 games. He was plus 12. The only guy that had a higher plus minus for what plus minus is worth was Michael Backlund at plus 13. And I'm not blowing smoke. Mackenzie Weger was the best player on the ice at the World Championship. Yeah. Bar none. I did happen to vote for him for MVP. It went to Artur Solovs of, of Latvia, the Latvian goaltender. Very deserving. But... Mackenzie Weger was the best player on the gold medal team from game one of the tournament to the gold medal game. His, uh, he was a presence out there. He was dynamic. He was everything. He mentioned it, played both sides of special teams. There wasn't an area of the game he didn't touch. Jacob Middleton was his D partner. Jacob Middleton raved about him. <laughs> just absolutely. And not just like a, a lip service. Oh, this is my partner. Yeah, he's really good, right? No, it was like 
Mackenzie Weger made my life easy. Yeah. I didn't have to do a single thing out there because he did everything. Mackenzie Weger's season for the Calgary Flames coming up. I'm super curious to see what well, he does. And, and you think about you think about the second half of his NHL season. You think about what happened at the World Championship. And I remember I remember when he was first acquired, and as we were going into the to the season, you know, there was a lot of talk about you know how. And I remember I remember Labardi is talking a lot about this about how uh, he thought that you know we could we could see. And and I think it all happened slower than we thought it would with a bunch of different players. But I I, I remember Lou talking a lot about how you know we could see Mackenzie Weger being the number one defenseman on the team at some point in the year. And and I think it took maybe a little bit longer than than maybe we would have thought. But come the second half of the season. It was a dead heat between him and Rasmus. And and yeah, Rasmus, the minutes were probably higher, but in terms of the usage and the impact and the offense, it was a dead heat between those two guys. Um, and so if he can pick up where he left off, that Flames blue line is just exponentially better to start the year yeah. than it was last year. And now you have the, you know that he can play on the left. And you know that Oliver Shillington is coming back, and we don't know what's happening with Noah Hannafin, but he could very easily be a part of that blue line to start the year too. All of a sudden, if if Uyghur's playing at, at that high level again, and Shillington's back, and he looks like he's playing at the level that he was playing in a season ago, now maybe if that Noah Hannafin trade comes to pass, it feels like less of a loss because you feel more insulated to absorb it. So, yeah, I'm really curious to see what uh, year two of Uyghur looks like. And, and that defense, yes, there are a lot of ifs and a lot of things to figure out. And you mentioned them. Is Noah Hannafin a part of that blue line to start the season? Can Oliver Shillington get up to speed to where he was a couple seasons ago alongside Chris Tanev? But suddenly, if those things start to fall into place a little bit, Nikita Zadorov is your number six. Like that one through six, that is a deep, deep defense and one that could really propel the Calgary Flames yeah. forward next season. Uh, okay. Uh, thanks to uh, Chris Dornan over at the Shot Charity Classic for hooking us up with McKenzie. Uh, over the last couple of days, over on the big show, uh, Adam Lowry, Josh Morrissey, and Curtis Joseph joined the crew. Uh, George and Maddie and the boys. So uh, go check those out on the big show podcast uh, because all of those players that we... Oh, Cassie Campbell-Pascal also joined him on, uh, on the big show as well. So those five, along with Stuart Skinner, along with Mike Vernon... And along with um, the GOAT, Marie-Philippe Poulin, are uh, all going to be taking part in the Rogers Legends of Hockey Charity Skins game. It goes Saturday afternoon at the Shaw Charity Classic over at Canyon Meadows. So here's the deal. It's going to start at 2.45-ish. And I say ish because... It starts after round two of the PGA Tour Champions event uh, comes to an end. So as that starts to wind down, and after the la I believe it's after the last group finishes off at 10, then the Skins game begins also at 10. So that'll be around 2.45 on Saturday afternoon. It's open to the public. Get yourself down there. And uh, between 11 and noon on Saturday morning, autograph session with all those legends of hockey will be taking place as well. So... That's all at the Shaw Charity Classic. More information at shawcharityclassic.com. As we start to wrap things up this hour, that was a busy hour. Good yeah. chat with Francis to kick it off. Good chat with Mackenzie Weger to uh, wrap it up. Aaron Vickers is on Twitter at AA Vickers. And uh, Taylor Dingman, Cameron Hughes on the board. Thank you very much, as always. One week of this uh, limited time engagement of Flames Talk in the books. We're back next week before our final hiatus and then back after Labor Day. This hour comes to an end and this hour has been the sports drive brought to you by calgary lock and safe did you know calgary lock and safe also fixes doors if you have one that needs it visit calgarylockandsafe.com slash doors